Terreira off a short run, or Janssen the Swede off a long run. And it is Terreira! Beautifully done. His first goal in 52 matches. That's Dwyer! Oh, Kalise. <laughs> There's the whistle. It finishes one goal apiece, but it finishes amidst acrimony. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Orlando Soccer Show. It's been a week for Orlando City. Uh, Not only did they draw two matches in a row, but there's some rumors for transfers after everyone's been kind of waiting and waiting and waiting, seeing all the other teams doing something. Well, Orlando City's doing something. It's very exciting times. I'm Austin David, here with Gavin Eubank. We're going to break it all down, plus the latest draw for the Orlando Pride, the latest comeback win for OCB, plus a where are they now for a former Orlando City homegrown player, and a special treat. Our own Brad Newton, who unfortunately has not been able to make the show the last couple times out, he got an opportunity to talk to Arsenal's own Rob Holding, and Aaron Ramsdale, and ask them some questions. So later in the show, we will have their uh, quote-unquote interviews, because uh, in typical Brad Newton fashion, they are not the typical interviews. Just put it like that. <laughs> Anyways, Gavin, how you doing? Nothing Nothing we do on this show is typical, for the most part. You know, I, I would like to think that. I think we're, we're unique in that way. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes us worth listening to. Yeah. It's what, well, you know, listen, it's what got us nominated for best podcast, not on radio, by Orlando Weekly. Shameless plug. Hey, it's still open Mm -hmm. for voting. Head to vote.orlandoweekly.com. Go to best podcast, not on radio, and vote for the Orlando Soccer Show. Help us, uh, I I win? I, I I don't know if we have a chance of winning. I'd like to think we do, but I mean... Tom and Dan are there, so you know. I take I take second I'm or third. I'm just honored to know that somebody's probably voted for us so far. Yeah, yeah. I, I I mean, we wouldn't have been there unless somebody nominated us. So I'm I am definitely uh, honored that somebody thought of us enough and is like, yeah, this is one of the best podcasts in Orlando. Yeah, I'll take yeah, that. Now, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh, it's nice to see. You know, listen, we we do put in a lot of work here. You know, I, you know, we, Austin especially in editing. Listen, I, obviously, you know, the rest of us swap in and out, and sometimes we come prepared. But you know, for the most part, in total, over the last six years, you know, a lot a lot of work has gone into the show by everyone involved. Gavin, it's been more than six years. I hate to tell you, six years. We started in twenty fifteen. Six seven. Well, yeah. Well, late 2015 um, as the fourth official and then, you know, through various iterations of this show. True. We still we, we the the, the rebrand was 2017. So 6 years of the Orlando yes, Soccer yes. Show, but we've been doing a show in this medium since about almost 8 years. It's been a long time. Yeah. Very long time. That's all I, that's all I really know at this point. You know, the years are just flying by. 
especially over the last three. Anyways, we're getting into much inside baseball, as we usually do. Let's get into Orlando City. Back-to-back 1-1 draws on the road, first in Colorado, then in Atlanta. It's been interesting to see the reactions from the fans based on the results. They were the same results. They played out very similar ways. And yet, one game made fans more upset than the other. First, let's go about Colorado. Playing in the Mile High City, it definitely hits you differently when you're running around for 90 minutes. But Orlando and Facundo Torres scored in the 22nd minute. They were up 1-0 heading into halftime. And then 65th minute, Giassi Zardes scores a, a near-post run that beats Galese. Um, Pedro had some really, really important saves in that match. He's he's had some very important saves over the last couple games. Outside of that DC game, he has been the most important player for Orlando City at this point in the season, I would say. And, you know, it's it takes me back. We thought we were past the days where the goalkeeper was going to be the most important player for Orlando City because nobody else was doing anything. But, well, here we are. Yeah, you know, and, and obviously we'll get into it uh, a little bit more um, coming up, but it's it's good to have a goalkeeper that is your best player. Mm-hmm. It's not good to have your goalkeeper that is your best player be the player that you absolutely need to be your best player, though. Mm-hmm. So there's that. That That is a great way of putting it. Um, and again, the biggest thing for Orlando in these away games, um, chance creation. Uh, been lacking yeah. now again you're on the road yeah. you take a different to, approach when you're on the road least. yeah uh, i mean when when you have to have six saves from pedro galese in the in the colorado game that's something you know he, he, he came up with some very big saves like i said but orlando's offense they they produced a, a 0.7 expected goals hey, yeah it's better than the atlanta game this is true uh the atlanta game was uh definitely uh especially in the second half Definitely a, a concern, I think, for most fans. I was seeing a lot of Oscar out after that game, which was kind of surprising. I would say it is surprising. However, it is also unsurprising to know that there are people out there who are just genuinely not smart. Well, I think they're impatient. Right. Uh, yeah. And and I, I, I understand it, but also kind of like guys have you seen the history of orlando city do you really want to start over again (laughs) and i mean and there's always like at every single club there's always going to be that fraction that that very very small fraction that for whatever reason will automatically dislike the coach it's not going to be the same fraction but it's gonna there's always going to be that small percentage that for whatever reason they have their vendetta they're going to stick to it and they want that coach fired and they want whatever their their dream guy is that they think is going to fix everything up in a heartbeat mm-hmm. to, to take over. Yeah. Because it, it, here's the thing. Oscar Pereja is limited to the players that he has. And and I saw yeah. something the other day where it's like, Orlando's not utilizing their depth properly. And then I look at their bench and it's like, what depth? What 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 player is going to come in and change the game for you off the bench? 
Pato almost did, to be fair, in that Atlanta game. He almost scored the game winner in stoppage time, clanked it off the, the post. Like, he can be a game changer for you off the bench, for sure. Um, Benji's been out of form. Tesho's been out of form. Perea's been out of form. Antonio Carlos, who came off the bench, um, he's still coming back from injury. Mikey Holiday, to be fair, is somewhat in form, so he'd be an option. Uh, Jean Moutinho, this was his first game back on the bench in, like, two weeks. And then Sebas Mendes, who's a defensive midfielder. I, who is going to come in and, and change that that game for you? What what are they going to do? Yeah, no, I mean, you bring up, like, that's, that's spot on, honestly. And that's exactly what I was thinking about the other day when you had kind of when you told me that there was people out there saying that and and it's you, like you said you you coach you have to coach the roster you have and what what about this roster where where where's the ceiling compared to where they are how much higher is the ceiling on this roster because we know it's higher but like you said they're not it's not like every single person is playing to every full capacity at every you know bit of health that this roster could have you know when you look at the results too, all things considered, Orlando is still a playoff team. Mm-hmm. They still are, you know, Philadelphia has been scoring, racking up points lately, but Orlando is not that far from first place. They're four points above the cut line. Mm-hmm. So they've lost once in their last five games. And yes, it was not a good loss, but they've lost once in their last five games. They're getting results. Yep. You might not be a fan of how the results are being won. And listen, once we get through the Atlanta game, I will sure I will certainly have plenty of negative things to say about how these <laughs> results are getting put on the board. Mm-hmm. But the the main point is they're they're getting results and yeah, they they're gonna need to get some better results if they wanna, you know, have a better chance of making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But I, we've seen Orlando at its best um, when they were playing really good soccer in the summer of 2020, and we've seen Orlando at its worst when they lost, what, nine, ten games in a row in the summer of 2018. Um, and this is nowhere near its worst, so that that much we can say. Yeah, I, I would I would say that you've seen a lot worse. You're You're not, I mean, outside of that 5-3 loss, you're not losing by four more goals like they the team used to back no. in the summer times. The only thing that's making these things look bad is the fact that they're not scoring goals. I mean, Orlando defensively is a very now we'll get you know in the later half of games they're not a good team, but for the first hour of games they're a really good team. Like you said, they're not getting blown out. They're giving up one goal, two goals max a game. They're just not scoring goals, and therefore it makes the rest of it look bad. Yeah. And I think. People need to to also realize that like the heat does play a factor when you're playing, especially in Orlando. Mm-hmm. I, I saw a statistic. Yeah, this is not new. No, no, it's it's not new. <laughs> Orlando struggles every single year during the month of July and into August. Every single year, they've never had one season where they've looked stellar in July. Well, it just hasn't happened. 2020, but that was like yeah, an outlier I mean, because it was the the MLS is back tournament. Right. They they had had, you know, three months off leading up to that point. Right. Yeah. Definitely a, a different vibe to it. But 
when you look at this Orlando team, and we'll, we'll kind of move into that Atlanta game now, um, the first half was eh. Uh, Orlando had the better expected goals. Uh, Atlanta wasn't really creating like that many like amazing chances in the final third. They were getting into the final third, but they weren't getting any shots on goal, really. Orlando was doing well defensively. And they had a higher expected goals than, than Atlanta did in that first half. They were seeding possession, sure, but they were doing well on the counter and getting getting some opportunities. Uh, I mean, that Mauricio Pereira goal, um, I saw a lot of Atlanta fans uh, calling out this dude with the whistle in the in the stands. And I'm sure you heard it if you watched the game like throughout. This dude was just blowing a whistle in the stands. A lot of people were blaming him that he, he blew... Uh, he was blowing the whistle, and it threw off Rios Novo, the Atlanta goalkeeper, thinking that the r- whistle hadn't gone and that it was coming from the fans and not the actual ref, mm-hmm. so he wasn't ready. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you want to read that too much into that, but either way, it it didn't look like Rios Novo was ready for that shot. Per- Pereira just scored one of the mm-hmm. easiest free kicks he'll ever score, and Orlando was up one nothing at the half. And when you looked at the stats outside of possession, it was very even. Right, the, the tackles, fouls, final third entries, passing accurate. It was all very close. Like it wasn't a a one sided game until you got to the second half when it was just dominated by Atlanta. Like there there really was not a statistic outside of tackles and fouls that Orlando dominated in the second half because. They fouled and they tackled quite a lot in that second half. They had to because they were they were pinned back on their heels. Mm-hmm. Now that you you can say, oh, that's based on Oscar going more defensive, but Atlanta had a lot of options on the bench that came in in the second half that had fresh legs, and Orlando, having just come off a game on Wednesday a mile high up, had to defend. You know, Atlanta. They they didn't have a, a a terrible game that past week. They were playing at home, you know. Yeah, they lost to Austin three nothing, and then they lost to uh, they beat uh, Real Salt Lake that Wednesday. But those were home games for them. They weren't traveling around. This was Orlando's second road game. You know, th- these are just things to take into consideration when it comes to these kind of games. That's all. Mm-hmm. But as as the game kind of weared on, you know, early in the second half. Mulraney and Kara come off for Benji and Tesha, and they didn't do all that much. They were just kind of there to, to help defensively. You know, Tesha's a better defensive forward. Benji's a, a good enough defensive winger that you can throw them on there and they can, you know, be active on the defensive end. And then also Benji's fast enough that if you throw a ball downfield, he can he can run after it. But then you bring on Tiago Amada and host Joseph Martinez for Atlanta, who are designated player quality players and they changed the game you know and, and then orlando also goes more defensive they bring in andres Pereira and antonio carlos to kind of match those two offensive substitutions and i don't i don't discredit oscar for trying to do that because at that point he kind of knew his team right you, you have to understand where where the level of your team is not only do you have this game to worry about, but you have a midweek game against Arsenal. You have a weekend game against Philly at home. Then you have a U.S. Open Cup game that next Wednesday. There's a lot of games that are coming through. 
and you just have to kind of pick your battles at, at, at certain points. And Oscar picked his battle, you know, at, at early in the second half. He kind of read the game and said, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I don't discredit him for doing it. It just didn't work out the way he would have hoped, I'm sure. But, mm-hmm. you know, that, that goal in the 70th minute, um, that's just off a, a, a poor marking in the box when it came into, uh, you know, ball in. Um, somebody mm-hmm. didn't pick up uh, Parata making that run, and he scored an easy hutter. Outside of that... I, I think it... I was going to say, I think it was Antonio Carlos, but it was also, like, just after he came on, right? Uh, he uh, Antonio Carlos came on in the 67th. The goal was scored in the 70th. So within three minutes of him coming on, and yes, yeah. he was supposed to be marking him. But outside of that, I mean, they, they brought in Dom, who almost scored a banger. Would have been uh, would have been a bit interesting if that had happened. But outside of that, I mean, Orlando didn't really attempt a shot in the second half. Like, attempt yeah, a they shot. Had, um, they, they had a so, shot, a single shot. Mm-hmm. And that was Alexander Pato's shot that hit the woodwork in the 93rd minute. Yeah, Orlando had three shots in the game. They had one in the fifth minute. They had one in the ninth minute. Mm-hmm. Mauricio Pereira's goal was in the, what, 11th minute? Tenth. Um, the tenth minute. And then up until Pato in stoppage time, Orlando did not record another single shot after the ninth minute. Yep. Which, uh, that tells you everything you need to, you know, most of what you need to know there. I mean, yeah, like... I think there's you know, two things. It's that Orlando's a really good team. Um, when everyone's healthy and when everyone's in form, Orlando's a really good team playing in the midfield, controlling the midfield. Mm-hmm. And they they had nothing to counter what Atlanta was doing against them there. Mauricio Pereira, Orlando relies on him to be the focal point in the midfielder and to be the guy who's having, you know, among the most touches on the field. He had 33 touches in this game. Yeah. Well, they he attempted I mean, 20. That's the thing. Like 22 passes for Mauricio Pereira is astonishingly low yeah. for a 90 minute performance. Well, Atlanta knew what they were doing. They, they came out with the game plan in the second right. half of let's mark their playmakers out of the game and then push everyone forward. Right. And that's the problem is that, you know, if you're Orlando, You've got to have a way to combat that, and they don't. They're they're almost a one trick pony right now because you they have no depth. I mean, your next best option is yeah. Your next best option is to rely on Juan and Kyle Smith, and that's only going to get you so far if you are absolutely shut out of the midfield and you can't you know work anything down there. Um, I mean they they just had no answers, and I mean you, and you have to give credit to Atlanta for being prepared for for having a good game plan, and and not only that but executing it. Almost to perfection. And now, the, the, you here's know, on the a, offensive end of things, they certainly came up lacking, but they shut down exactly who they needed to shut down, and because of it, Orlando just didn't know what to do with the ball when they had it. Yeah, and, and again, um, Atlanta's not a bad team. Their, their standings currently say that they're not a great team, but they're not a bad team. You know, th- this, yeah, is, this is a team I mean, that has, is, you know, gotten good uh moments you know Josef Martinez has been out for a number of times he he was not great in in this game against Orlando he he looked just kind of out of sorts he had some moments where he should have scored two three goals and just didn't like, and I don't know what the deal is if he's just not in favor because he didn't play on Wednesday night or at least he didn't start it was, on it was Wednesday the comments that he made against RSL either it was the comments that he made uh about Atlanta 
after they lost three nothing to Austin, he made some comments, basically calling out like the team in the front office and saying like you know everyone else right, needs right, to right, do yeah. do something or whatever. I don't know the exact comments, but anyways, um, the uh, uh, Gonzalo Pineda just basically said, "You're not above. You're you're not above." calling out the team you know you're 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 a player on this team mm-hmm. you're not like the face or the voice of the team so you need to learn your place kind of thing and so that's why he was coming which i bench. mean you know it's funny because he is like the face of the team mm-hmm. but yeah i mean you you don't want your at least publicly you know if you're a locker room you don't want your star player yeah i mean the yosef martinez has not ever been one to shy away from trashing anybody mm-hmm because there was a moment where he was like, I'm done with Atlanta. I hate it here. And then they're like, here's some money. And they're like, all right, I'm staying. And there was a, like a yeah. time where he was like basically on his way out. So, And this too is um, – this is an Atlanta team that's also been without Brad Guzan. He's out for the year. Right. Um, he's been out for – I don't know when he's been out since, but he's been out for most, if not all, of the season, right? Yeah. The, the, I mean, this is an Atlanta team that is missing a number of different pieces. Brooks Lennon is also out. Miles Robinson's also out. Like, there there are a number of players that are just not healthy. And this Atlanta team, when healthy, is dangerous. I think Emerson Hyman is also out. So like these these are you know U.S. men's national team caliber players and just when you're missing a lot of depth, much like Orlando is, you're not going to live up to expectations. Go figure. Look, <laughs> Sylvester Van der Water transferred out after getting injured. Right, that's that's winger depth gone. Gaston Gonzalez tore his ACL before getting here. That's winger depth gone. Like if, if if you don't have someone on the opposite side of Facundo Torres to help mitigate things, they're just gonna key in on Facundo Torres and Mauricio Pereira, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, because right now you've got um, Nick Mulraney on the other side, and you know how many you know how many passes Nick Mulraney completed in seventy seven minutes? Mulraney, or at least attempted. Jake Mulraney, Jake, Gavin. I don't know why I'm thinking. Did I say Nick? Yes. Where did I get Nick Mulraney? I I want to say I keep thinking of Nick Mulvaney every time I say that. So you you also my, you, my you, brain you keep goes thinking to. Nick Mulvaney or John Mulaney. It wasn't John Mulaney. It's no, no, no. Google. My phone you, autocorrects to Mulaney. That, right. Okay. So your phone's thinking Mulaney. My, my brain is thinking Mulvaney. Nick Mulvaney. Okay. Anyways, continue. To say continue. Um, seven passes. Yeah. You're the guy opposite Fagundo Torres had seven passes. Mm-hmm in the mm-hmm. game you know which is not even that's low but it's also not rare to see him very ill-involved you know uninvolved in the offense either yeah. which is you know he's a defensive guy and you uh, know, he helps you out there but uh, is he he's plays more defensively for Orlando but <laughs> you can't you're basically attacking with you know one arm tied behind your back essentially when you have a whole right side of the field left side of the field that's practically nothing mm-hmm. so yeah hopefully if this uh was it gianucci gianacci <laughs> all right that'll be a nice transition <laughs> i'm not good with names folks everyone see if you know people the people that have been listening to this show for the last eight years they know that nicholas joachini 
Joaquin is finalizing Lopez. a move to come to Orlando City on a free transfer. The 21-year-old Kansas City, Missouri native who most recently played in France for Montpellier uh, on loan from Cayenne has made some appearances for the U.S. men's national team, got called up in 2020, made eight appearances, scored three goals for the red, white, and blue, and has scored uh, 10 goals over the last four seasons. He's been played as an out-and-out striker. He's been played as a winger. Uh, He's quick. He's an American. And he's free. It's a good move for Orlando City to give a young up-and-coming American who's on the cusp of the U.S. men's national team an opportunity to play. They need winger depth. He can play as a winger. He can play on both sides of the wings. He is versatile. Why not? Yeah, and, you know, this move also fits well. It fits perfectly with what Luis Muzi had said a couple weeks ago. And, you know, Orlando is not in a position to sign somebody big, to sign somebody to a large contract because they have their DP spots filled. They have their under-22 spots filled. And they're looking to add complementary pieces. Well, this is not a big signing. He came. He's coming in for free. Mm-hmm. And he's a, a guy that's played roughly 500 minutes over almost 30 appearances over the last a year. So at the very least... He's going to add a complimentary piece to Orlando. You know, maybe he'll start right away if Oscar Pereja sees that to be. But for the most part, you would expect he's probably not just going to start jumping in at 90 minutes since he hasn't played that in a while. Sure. Um, but I, this is, this is you know, depth. the quintessential Orlando City move, though. Yeah, no, it's depth. And he's 21 and years old. Thing. Like, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. He's 21 years old with a European footballing background. Like, he played, you, he played too, youth. In France, his entire career has been in France. Well, he's a Kansas he's a Kansas City boy too. You know, he's he's obviously from yeah. here. I um, mean, he he grew up here until he was eight years old. Then he moved to Italy. Yeah, and then he he came back. But, so the way here's the way he his family works. So he is not only an American, but he's Italian and Jamaican, who played in France. He he spent a number of years in the U.S., moved to Italy for a couple years, came back to the U.S. into and uh, lived in Maryland, where he played up with the D.C. United Academy. Then at 15 years old, he moved to France, where he joined Paris FC in 2015. And then three years after joining Paris FC and playing for their B team in 2017-18, he was signed by the Cayenne B team, where he uh, made his uh, debut for them signed with the first team in 2019 and then is now uh just most recently uh, was on loan to montpellier where he played for their b team as well as their first team uh in the league and back to um how many times have we seen orlando make this kind of move i mean this is like the orlando city move to to get someone that is free cheap promising plenty of upside no risk yes um but in terms of u.s men's national team prowess well i mean obviously those are more harder to come by right but this this is this is a level above this is a little bit level above their their other moves in the past is what i'm saying plus he's tall he's six feet yeah i mean six feet tall yeah and again he can play as, as a number nine and he can play as a winger so you have you have more depth up top rather than you know 
you have versatile players now. That that's the whole idea. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm at, this is definitely it's a good move for Orlando City. Like I said, you know, high risk, low reward. You're taking a sorry, a high risk, low reward. Is that what you just said? You just low said high risk, risk. High reward. Yeah. yeah, come on now. <laughs> it's like, yeah, this kid's going to be terrible when he comes in. Yeah. You're taking a massive risk, and he's going to be really bad because there's no reward. No, it's the other way around. You're right. The, yeah. the second time around. Um, yeah, for, you know, to give a guy an opportunity. Obviously, he's not fighting for a World Cup spot this year, but, you know, he's well, someone that has these aspirations to play for the national he, team and to, to get his eyes you know, on much more minutes. He, he might have a lot of motivation to come in here and, and play well and hit the ground running for Orlando. And like you said, he he fills an instant need right off the bat, and that's going to be a good thing. You know, he's going to have a place to to try to work his way in and grow in. Yep. All he needs uh, – sometimes all you need is an opportunity to play. And at Montpellier, he wasn't getting those opportunities. He was playing spot minutes, five minutes here, five minutes mm-hmm. there, just off the bench towards end of games to kind of close things out. That's not enough time to really show anything. And, and Montpellier, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're a team in in Ligue 1 who their their season like they're they're a mid table team, right? So they're they're not a bad team, but they're not a great team. I think they finished what was it thirteenth last year. So that's like just below mid table, right at like right at the mid table kind of area and when you're playing against teams like psg marseille monaco ren nice strasbourg lens Lyon, uh nance brest like these are notable teams and yeah the (laughs) it's hard to get playing time with those kind of teams that are that are competing on that level especially if you're coming from league two and you're you're you've got like three other players in front of you in the forward position. Mm-hmm. And that was that was the thing. Right? There there are just other players that, that have the the starting spot locked up. And, you know, he got a couple minutes here and there, but he just needs he just needs an opportunity to play and Orlando City could hopefully provide that. They need the depth. He needs the playing time. Sounds like a good idea. Yep, they just need uh, they need somebody that can score goals. I mean, that's been this team's biggest issue. What is it? Uh, nine nine of the last eleven games, Orlando City has scored no more than a single goal. They've scored three goals in a game once this season. And speaking of more moves, uh, whether they're good or bad, is for you to find out. Uh, just in as we're recording this, Sebas Mendez traded to LAFC for $300,000 in 2022 general allocation money with the potential of receiving 225,000 in 2023 gam and 225,000 in 24 gam if certain contract conditions are met. And Orlando will also retain a f- portion of Mendez's future transfer fee if he is dealt elsewhere. So, Here's the question to you, Gavin, as we're getting this just now. Is this a good move or a bad move? Well, I would say, based off what we know, I mean, this this is a pretty smart business by Orlando City. You know, we have been talking a lot lately 
about how deep this team is in particularly this one spot in the field, and that is the central midfield. You know, you've got Junior Urso and Arojo and in in Ar- and, and Perea, Perea and Mendez and and Mendez has kind of fallen out of favor. I mean, he's only played what. 500 minutes and 13 games this season and I mean Araujo's I mean Araujo's taking his spot yeah I mean pretty much and 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 how can you blame him but I mean you know Mendez up until this year was probably one of the the best and most underrated central midfielders in MLS and which obviously tells you how good Araujo has been playing this year but I mean this is um this is a really talented player and someone who really you know to have just sitting on your bench is a a waste of both you know his talent and also the space on the roster that you could be using for you know something else someone else on you know in a different um, upgraded position right Um, now the 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 back and forth with this one is yes he is uh, a depth player at this point you're trading you're getting a good value for the the ecuadorian now but we were talking about it earlier. This is a team that um, is lacking depth. You know, we went through that whole bench on the Atlanta game, and we were like, "Wait, hold on a second. This, there's, who do you bring in for for these moments? Like, yes, they're bringing in Joaquini now. Uh, all intents and purposes is is all but done. But when you look at the the grand scheme of things, you're you're trading another depth piece. Um, to, to I mean Perea hasn't had a great season but he's still getting minutes um he's a lot more uh versatile I guess Sebas is a defensive midfielder and that's that's about it so it's it's a good move in in terms of the the what they got for him but in the uh here and now it's not a great move I think Orlando was probably hoping they would get a player in return for this move. And I know, you know, there were, there were a lot of um, rumors going around about who could possibly come as a result of this trade. Once the, the kind of rumor mill started uh, earlier this morning saying, Oh, Zebos is going to LAFC. Uh, Chico Arango was a player mentioned. He was a player that was being thrown around to different places. And, you know, that would have been a great option for Orlando to pick up. Um, but instead, they just got a lot of money for him, which they can use. The question is, are they going to use? And on what position other than what's already been rumored with Joaquini? Yeah, no, it's interesting. And, you know, especially with how much money that Orlando could get back here. I mean, typically, you know, obviously we, we almost never know what those performance you know, contract goals or whatever these stipulations are. I know like with the Dom Dwyer trade, it was the same thing. It was like Orlando gave up this much and it could reach, you know, 1.6 or whatever, depending on what, what the performance goals were. And usually they're pretty loft, pretty easy goals, pretty low bars. Um, so that, you know, for Orlando over 700 and, you know, $50,000 potentially coming back over the next few years, that's a lot of money, you know, as, as, as long as the roster rules are going to stay the way that they are. That gives Orlando a lot of flexibility um, in building their roster. And and I think what we already know now, too, is that based on what Muzi had said, you know, referencing that again, 
Orlando's looking more towards this offseason to kind of really make some bigger roster changes. You know, we're going to see a lot, you know, we're going to see contracts expire, you know, depending on who's coming back. You know, Mauricio Pereira is only on a one year deal. That could be a designated player spot. Jean Moutinho's rumored to be out. And now they've got a lot more allocation money that they've been banking up for quite a bit now. So it's going to be interesting to see what Orlando does with that money um, because they clearly need to retool the roster, not just in spots, but kind of all together. Things have gotten stale um, from where they kind of peaked in 2020 into 2021. Um, but yeah, I mean, they certainly now have a lot of options and are continuing to amass a lot of options moving forward with what they can do. Yeah, and, and it's worth noting that Mendez was uh, going to be a free agent at the end of the year, and they would have had to kind of negotiate a, a new contract. So rather than spending a lot on a talented player who probably would have asked for a lot of money, they decided, let's cash in now, bring in some options. We've got Araujo. Um, you know, it's it, it's a business decision at this point, you know, because there are other players at this point that they'd want to re-sign and probably throw a little bit more money at. So this is some money that can help with that. Especially when you think, too, because, you know, you mentioned that <clears throat> Mendez would have been Orlando's only player representing Orlando, you know, at the World Cup this year. You you risk the opportunity of if his contract is, is expired and done, he goes off and has a good World Cup. You're getting nothing for that. At least you get ahead of the curve here, no matter what happens in November, December. You've already got your payday for Mendez. You've got you've got your value back on him, and you know you don't have to worry about the what ifs that you know down the road. Yeah, and that is worth noting that he is going to the World Cup with Ecuador. He'll probably be starting in that midfield role. If he does well, he'll be on the world stage. Other teams will be a call in for him, and if he's a free agent, he can go anywhere. Then and that sell on bonus would yep. be uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. be pretty big for Orlando. Yep. So. There's there's possibility for Orlando to do something with that, but I think in the interim, they will suffer a little bit. You might start seeing some OCB players uh, coming up. I, you know, with this with this uh, Arsenal game, it'll be a good opportunity to see some of these young players. I know, like a Moises Tablante and Jack Lynn, the, these guys will get some minutes against Arsenal. So we'll see. Maybe this opens up a spot for Tablante to to make up the move. Uh, into the first team who knows because i have seen him training a lot with the first team as of late so worth worth noting anyways we spent a lot of time here on orlando city and i want to move on because we've spent 40 minutes almost talking about the lions i want to talk about all the other stuff going on plus we've got audio from the arsenal players to talk about um this isn't going to be too long in terms of the pride because not only do they not play this week but the game last week was a nil nil draw and it was, mm, uh, how do I put this into words? Blah. That is that is the, the best way I can describe the Orlando-Washington game this past weekend. So right after the Orlando City game, as a palate cleanser, you were to go into the uh, Orlando Pride game. They almost won. They had opportunities. Um, Darian Jenkins had a, uh, a miss in what was it the like 16th minute where she she had an open goal and just missed it uh and then towards the end of the half she had another opportunity where she she hit it right towards the goalkeeper other than that 
there weren't that many scoring opportunities for the Pride. Um, there were a lot for the Spirit, but they weren't good opportunities. Uh, Taylor McKeown in the 83rd minute had their best opportunity, and that expected goal was 0.2. So just put it to, in perspective. Washington had 17 shots with five on target. Orlando had four shots with two on target. Washington's also missing a lot of their international players because they're with the U.S. Women's National Team and, and etc. cetera, uh, mainly being Trinity Rodman. And, um, oh, who am I thinking of that they did not have? Ashley Hatch. Brain had to think about that for a second. When you're not having two kind of really important players on your team in terms of goal scoring, uh, yeah, it didn't look great. Uh, Also, the fact that Washington, surprisingly, hadn't been great this year. Uh, They are, in fact, the second-to-last team in the league. The Pride are actually eighth. They are ahead of Gotham, Racing Louisville, Washington, and North Carolina. So Yeah, I mean... uh... Good month for Seb, undefeated in July so far. Yeah. Yeah, things are, uh, I don't want to say looking up, but they're not looking down for the prize, you know? They just uh, need goal scoring, and they've they've they signed up. They do have pl- the worst goal differential. Yeah, I mean, they've got the worst goal differential in the league by a, a pretty wide margin. So the not, fact that they're also not as wide as you'd think. out of 12 teams yeah, but is pretty know. impressive. But here's the thing. Gotham has a minus 11 goal differential now. Pride are minus 14. Okay. Well, now, yeah. now here's here's it's something you, I I know, but do you remember where uh, where uh, Allie Krieger and Ashton Harris went? <laughs> and they're both, I assume, healthy and starting every game. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The minus eleven goal differential. They they left the Pride to go to a better team. Currently, the Pride are better than them. Well, by one point, and they've also played two more I games. Think we can but, also say they might have uh, left the pride for more reasons than that. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> potatoes, potatoes. Anyways, uh, Haley Bujea, <laughs> the new 18-year-old signing, is expected to join the team next week. Hopefully, she'll be ready for that game against Kansas City in Kansas City uh, towards the end of the month. But if not, she'll hopefully be ready for the game after that. But that, that's really all I've got on the Orlando Pride. Um, a lot of the rookies have been starting and playing. Um, they, they, they've been looking solid. Um, defensively, they've, they've been better. Uh, I think if you, if you get Kerry Lawrence back in the, in the lineup, they'll look a little bit more solid, maybe not allow as many chances. Uh, Tony Presley is, is she's just not the same player that she used to be. But she did play a, a decent enough game. Didn't ha- have any egregious errors. And uh, along with Celia and Kylie Strom and Megan Montefusco, had a, a decent showing in the back line. Um, didn't really... Like, Aaron McLeod had five saves. Um, but outside of that, defense played fairly well. So all five shots on target saved by Aaron McLeod. And they weren't, like, the most immaculate saves. They were pretty much just kind of, like, right at her, slow rollers, etc., so not too much to say from this game and uh for those wondering about what's going on with the investigation 
I've got nothing. I, and, and here's the thing. I, I, there is stuff I could say. Uh, I haven't fully confirmed it, so I'm not going to say it. But this investigation has nothing to do with the team. It is all on the league. And depending on how things go, it'll be the league's decision on when to make a decision on it. And I asked Jessica Berman, the commissioner, what's the timeline? And she said, there is no timeline. We will get it done when we we are full and done with the investigation. Inspiring stuff from the NWSL, the league that is famously transparent and always doing what's right. Mm-hmm. Well, Jessica Berman was brought in to do exactly that, so, you know, maybe. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a situation, and it's a thing that's happening, and eventually we will find out about things that happened, and oh, you, you never, maybe you, one you day. Never know. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Anyways. Maybe um, we'll just say, okay, we're done. Everyone forget about that. I mean... Amanda Cromwell and her staff are still getting paid. Well, <laughs> her and Sam Green are still getting paid. They're on paid leave, basically. And then, um, how long is, um, why am I blinking on the name? Oh, Eleni uh, and uh, Michelle Akers. Uh, Michelle Akers, yeah. No, yeah. she's unofficially, like, announced. Like, that was never announced, right? That she's that on, she, like, a personal? No, because she's just taking personal time off. She's on PTO, yeah. which is understandable because, like. And that's. You're 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 not you were brought in by somebody. That person's not there right now. So you don't hold anything right. to the club, but you hold you hold your allegiance to the person that brought you in. And if they're not there, why do you need to be there? Mhm. No, yeah. You know, uh, they they haven't been there long enough to be like, "All right, I have an obligation to stay." Yeah, no. And I mean, you know, if she, like you said, she came out of retirement, she was living her life Right. She didn't come to deal with this. She came here to coach soccer with Amanda, and Amanda's not here. So, Yep. That's kind of where they're at right now. Anyways, uh, last thing before we get to the Arsenal interviews, and then we'll get to our post-game, or post-post-game, post-show stuff. Um, Orlando City B. They uh, were coming off a loss to Inter-Miami back on the 10th. They played in Chicago. It was 3-1 at one point in the game. Jack Lynn had scored again because he does that. Um, it, yeah. it was it was Twelfth goal was it second in the league? Uh, as of right now, he's lighting it up. Yeah, yeah. And, and that that a lot of people were like, well, why isn't Jack Lynn playing? Why are they? What you know? Why not bring all these transfers in? It's like, well, Jack Lynn scoring at at League One level, basically. <laughs> you know, you don't know how he'll do in in the first team but just it's promising someone yeah. is playing very well doesn't he, mean you should stop his and development also yeah just to put him there and here's the thing jack lynn plays very similarly to urchon kara he's he's a poacher he's not a creator so yeah i don't know how many people have seen jack lynn score like he, he scored a great free kick to be fair in that game against chicago i'll give him credit for that that was that was beautiful but uh, Chicago did score three goals in about 15 minutes of time. Uh, Victor Bezerra had a hat trick, and it was 3-1 to one in the 50th minute. And then, 
crazy things happened. It wasn't one of the uh, starters for Orlando. It was one of the players off the bench. Fabian Loyola. I believe he got called up to the um, U.S. youth national team. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, he was he was called up to the U-19s. And he was playing with the, the youth national team. With uh, Alex Freeman and, and them. It's a very exciting times for, for Loyola, but... You know, he's only played in three games for OCB. And, well, he scored. Not once, but twice in that game. That tied the game up. So, what an introduction off the bench for, for Loyola. He had some great finishes. It was 3-3 in the 83rd minute. And then in stoppage time, right before stoppage time hits, 89th minute, as the clock is showing 89 in the 90th minute technically uh Loyola actually gets a chance for a hat trick it's saved bounces to Sebas Mendez's cousin Nasir Acosta who finishes with a little chip over top the goalkeeper who had come out to make the save and all of a sudden Orlando wins 4-3 so it was a great win for OCB um kind of makes it a little bit more awkward for for Acosta because well his cousin's just getting traded so that's something to deal with later but a uh, great win for OCB well it didn't help them too much in the standings but they are seventh now they're still a ways behind the playoff points as we've said before there is a lot of growth going on with this team at OCB there's still a lot of games to play They've got five games in the month of August, three games in September, one more still to go in July. Still a healthy amount of games left to go. We'll see how things play out. And just by the way, Jacqueline now second, tied for second in goals. Uh, because uh, on NYCFC, John Dennis has 13, and then Jason Russell Rowe for Columbus has 13 as well. So Jacqueline with 12. Also, something I didn't realize, Romeo Beckham leads the league in assists. Hmm. Huh. All right, then. It's taken after his dad, I guess. Okay, Gavin, are you ready for some interviews with Arsenal players? I love interviews. I love Arsenal. Big Arsenal fan over here. Can't wait to hear what Arsenal has to say about everything. All right, well, first off, we're going to talk to to Aaron Ramsdale, Brad Newton, our, our co-host who's unfortunately not been able to make it the last couple times he interviewed aaron ramsdale and rob holding so we're going to play aaron ramsdale's interview first and then we'll get to rob holding so uh, sit back and relax aaron pleasure to meet you nice to meet you too. what was a, what was your first impression walking off the plane and, and hitting that orlando community it wasn't too bad yesterday um it was probably this morning when i woke up and we went outside and that's when it hit me uh, very hot uh, very humid um, it's great to it's great to work in. After after training, you feel great. While you're training, you feel horrendous. So um, for what we need for for the seven days we're here or, or something like that, it's it's going to be perfect. Great. So a hypothetical question: If the FA changes their rules and allows a hyper intelligent golden retriever with the heading and tackling ability of Cristiano Ronaldo, would you look forward to playing with him? No. 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 Okay. It is a hot dog a sandwich. No. No. No, it's not. Sandwich. You have to have a 
closed has to be a closed uh, like a bath or a bread on top of bread okay can't have a slip in a sandwich and does pineapple go on pizza absolutely not criminal okay. absolutely criminal alright thank you Rob Rob Holding is a hot dog a sandwich uh, uh, no it's a hot dog it's hot okay fair it's enough it's a hot dog <laughs> it's in a roll and does pineapple belong on pizza? No, 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 not for me. If the FA changed the rules and allowed a hyper-intelligent golden retriever with the heading and finishing ability of Cristiano Ronaldo, would you want to play with him? Oh yeah, because hopefully it'd be my dog, my golden retriever. <laughs> there you go. But he's not. He's not clever enough. He's he's very slow. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's it. <laughs> In typical Brad Newton fashion asking questions about if a golden retriever had the heading and finishing ability of Cristiano Ronaldo, would you want to play with him? It's a very apt question for Brad. Hmm. Yeah, no, um, and that, hate to keep saying it, that's why we're award-nominated, folks. Yeah. Hey, listen, we, we wouldn't be award-nominated if we weren't asking players if a hot dog is a sandwich. Where would we be you if know, we did not know? I mean, listen, we asked Kyle Aaron at one point ask Breck Shea yeah. at one point like these, these are the questions that people want to know I have a list a tally of players that we have asked Pride City I, now Arsenal I was gonna say I have specifically asked Tom Sermani at Pride training if pineapple goes on pizza so this is a tradition as old as time that, as old as, uh, as, old as the time that we here. have enjoyed and existed as a show <laughs> yes that yep. is correct yep all right, That's, let us... Um, um, one guarantee. You know how um, there's always those those journalists out there, the, the hard-hitting, you know, the uh, like the 60 minutes? Mm-hmm. Well, when you come on this show, you know that you're going to get asked the hard questions. So You said there's one guarantee, Gavin? There is one guarantee. There's one guarantee in life in that there are no guarantees, yeah. That's very true. It is very true. And also, hi, Macho Man. Haven't heard from you in a while. Kind of forgot you existed. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to do our where are they now and then our weird news and red cards. So first off, where are they now for former Orlando City homegrown player Jordan Bender? Where is he now? He's in South Africa. The uh, Florida-born 20-year-old is signing with Cape Town City after getting his citizenship to South Africa. Now, uh, the reason he has been able to do that is his dad is actually South African. His grandparents still live in, I believe, Joburg, Johannesburg. So I remember talking to him a couple years ago about this, where he was in the midst of trying to get his South African passport so that he could go play over there. Uh, And also potentially play for the national team because he's still young you know he's 20 years old um there's still a lot of upside to the kid and if he's playing in south africa he could get a a call up to the south african national team so it makes sense for him to kind of take that opportunity and head over there and heck get some playing time not sure the quality of cape town city but i i think that jordan bender will do well over there and that is where are they now for jordan bender (laughs) Best of luck. Fun times, right? Oh, yeah. Always. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, uh, yeah. Best of luck to, to Jordan on his uh, endeavors in uh, 
the African nation. Well, Gavin, it is time now for our weird news. I've given you some time here to look something up. Have you looked something up and found something here? Austin, I always come prepared. Of course. Mm, good. Go ahead. Um, as you may know, as some folks at home know, it is very hot in the UK right now. Mm-hmm. Heat wave destroying it over there. Highs in in the high 30s. That's that's I'm told that's very hot over there. Um, well, anyway, this little boy, I'm going to rattle off a bunch of uh, UK sounding words. Yeah. This little boy, Al- Alan Freeman, 14 year old from the Heckman White Grammar School in West Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. He was sent home from school because he wore shorts huh. to combat the soaring temperatures. Mm-hmm. The school said, nope, only tweed and blazers allowed. Um, no no trousers or, you know, no short trousers. Um, yep. And uh, did not. Sounds, uh, sounds about right for that. The temperatures on uh, hit as high as 40 degrees Celsius which translates to over 100 degrees Fahrenheit here in the States. It's 104, um, but yes, um, yeah. it is it is hot over there. And here's the, here's the kicker. Most places in the UK don't have air conditioning. Yeah. They have open windows and fans. That, that's about it. That's how they get over. Um, that's how they get over things, so... Well, yeah, because that that um, the Pacific Northwest went through that same thing last year when they had that really bad heat wave, and most people don't have AC up there either, um, which kind of surprised me because I could not imagine living without an air conditioner. Yep. Oh yeah, it's it's something we like, we've, I didn't we've know had that here. It was a thing that people just do in Europe in general. It is very much a thing. Yeah. Anyways, I got a two for here for you. Uh, it's not so much a weird news. It, well, it is a weird news, kind of. Um, I'll do the first one just to get it out of the way, and then I'll go with the second one. First off, uh, Fox Sports has apologized for superimposing the Yankees and Red Sox logos over the 9-11 memorial at the World Trade Center. Yeah. Offensive for many reasons. But, you know, Fox Sports just can't not mention 9-11 when they have the opportunity. It's like that Family Guy episode where Lois just says 9-11 all the time. <laughs> Except in this case, it's like just a really bad yeah. graphic. Yeah, yeah. It's not great. It's not great. Uh, the second thing is, you've heard of uh, the movie uh, Morbius, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, have I ever. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Sony, the, the, the guys who put together the movie... Um, The boss of Sony has said that the studio deserves some credit for the success of Top Gun Maverick in the box office and that both Morbius and Venom paved the way. Morbius. Did you actually see Morbius in theaters? God, no. Okay. Because I'm obviously not a Marvel guy, but all I have heard are people... It's a, it's movie just it's not since good. it's been released. No. <laughs> Didn't they re-release it in theaters too? Yeah, because people were trolling the theaters saying, "Oh, we need it back <laughs> in theaters," and then it did even worse. God. Yeah. So anyway, that was the thing. Apparently, um there was a report that came out Warner Brother did like an investigation 
Um, and it turns out that like the whole Snyder cut, like the fan, was from bots. Um, yeah, yeah, it was like part like mostly bots doing it. Mm-hmm. Crazy, indeed. All right, and to wrap up the show, any red cards slash playing advantages this week? Um, I don't have a red card. I do have a playing advantage. I'm going okay. out to uh, NASCAR, as you may have seen. I posted in the group chat. Um, they did announce today on Tuesday. They will be holding their 4th of July race starting next year in downtown Chicago. Hmm. On the streets of Chicago, up near uh, Lakeshore Drive. Interesting. Um, you're a Chicago guy. What do you think of that uh, that layout over there? Nice nice well, little area to, to do some racing? Uh, it's something. I mean, it's an area. <laughs> it's it's yeah. an area. It, yeah. is, it is definitely an area. That is like... Huh. Yeah, right on Jackson and Congress. Ah, mm. I, I mean, it'll be cool. A lot it'll of people be are against this idea, but you know, yep, NASCAR has be. been doing a lot of lot of really new things over the last couple of years. Um, they they raced in the LA Coliseum mm-hmm. this uh, this February, right before the Daytona 500. They've uh, they're trying some new things, and this is uh, their first street course. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Why not? All right. I have no other things, red cards, anything. So I'm good to end it there. Gavin, are you good to end it there? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Perfect. All right. Well, for Gavin Eubank, I am Austin David saying thank you very much for tuning in to another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. We will be back next week recapping all of the stuff for Arsenal the Chelsea Arsenal game, the Orlando Philly game, which we really didn't get into because that was kind of a thing we forgot. But <laughs> eh. we talked about the Arsenal game and we talked about Arsenal players. So with that, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. And you're dirty brown water trash. And you're always going to be dirty brown. Water trash. <laughs>